are going to do something a little different. We're going to dive right into the Word. Who's excited to get into the Word of God this morning? If you brought your Bible or you got your app, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 8. I want to share with you today as we finish up our series uh, called This Is Our Story. I want to share with you about Jesus's least known, best known miracle. Uh, his least known, best known miracle. See this, uh, or we could title it his best known, least known miracle. Uh, either one. Uh, we're going to talk about the feeding of the 4,000. Everybody knows about the feeding of the 5,000, uh, but God actually, uh, through Jesus, performed a very similar miracle to the one you're very familiar with that most of us are much less familiar with. We find it in Mark chapter 8. Uh, in Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 1, it says this, During those days, another large crowd gathered. Hashtag City Church, right? Uh, been feeling that lately. Uh, since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. Aren't you glad we have a Savior who has compassion for his people? He said, I have compassion for these people, for they have already been waiting or with me three days, and they have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? Side note. Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 30, we find the feeding of the 5,000. It's already happened, uh, and his disciples have the same silly question uh, they had last time. They didn't learn the lesson the first time. How do you know sometimes we don't learn the lesson the first time? Uh, sometimes God's got to teach us again. Uh, he's got to take us back through the same situation. Uh, we're a little hard-headed sometimes. Uh, so they asked the question, uh, Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them, gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Everybody say satisfied. satisfied. You know when Jesus feeds you, you eat and you're satisfied? More than enough, Amen. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After he sent them away, he got into the boat, etc., etc. Let's pray real quick. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your story. Father, as we finish up this series talking about the city church story, God, the things that you've done in and through our church over 20 years, God, I pray that you inspire a new story. God, I pray that we trust you with our resources, God, that we trust you with everything you've provided us with, uh, God, and that we even trust you to, to put those things in your hand and watch you multiply them, watch you increase them, watch you provide for others through what you've given to us. Lord, we thank you for all this. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. We could call this part five, the generosity story to keep on the theme of what we've done over the past few weeks, but I loved this idea of Jesus' best-known, least-known miracle. I don't know about you, I've spent a lot less time digging into the feeding of the 4,000 than the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, something about that extra grand uh, makes it a little more illustrious, makes it a little more powerful. In fact, the, the feeding of the 5,000 is actually documented in all four Gospels, which is unique. It's the only miracle of Jesus outside of his resurrection that's recorded in all four Gospels. And so that's a very, very famous story. This one's a little less known, but I think it has some stuff for us 
as well. We've been journeying through different aspects of what God's done in our church and done through our church, ways that God's used us, ways that God's blessed us. Um, at the end of our message today, not the end of our service because we got a little bit different service flow, but at the end of our message today, I get to share with you uh, another video, our final video testimony of just an amazing story of what God's done in our church and, and through our church. Before we get to that, I, I want to give you seven takeaways from this story, the feeding of the 4,000. Seven takeaways from Jesus' best known, least known miracle today. Uh, the first one is this, Jesus has compassion for people's needs. Kind of already hit on it when we were reading through, but I want to make sure that we don't miss this. The God that we serve cares. He sees us in our need. He sees us in our lack, and he recognizes when there's opportunity for him to step in and provide for us. If we had time, we could go around this room, and I think you would hear hundreds of stories of Jesus' compassion, of times where Jesus stepped into dark situations, discouragement. Pastor Dwindle just shared even his own discouragement this past week and how Jesus stepped into that and provided. You see, his provision doesn't always look the same. His provision is always appropriate for the need. He steps into our need, but he's compassionate. He cares. I'm grateful that I have a God who not only can meet my need, but he wants to meet my need. He wants to provide. He has compassion just to make sure you caught it. In Mark chapter 8, verse 2, it says this. Jesus says, I have compassion for these people. If we're going to be Jesus people, we're going to be people of compassion. If we're going to be Jesus people, if we're going to be people who truly wear his name, we're called Christians. That literally means little Christ. It was originally a derogatory term. It was a slam. It was a slur. It was a put down. You think you're a little Jesus. Well, you know what? I'm doing my best. I might not hit it every day. I might fall short in a lot of ways, but he's invited me in and called me to be his hands and his feet. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to live up to that name, live up to that calling, we're going to have to be people of compassion too. Amen? Amen. Amen. Second takeaway this morning, I got to move quickly so we have time for all that we have, is that Jesus expects us to give in to people's needs. Not to give in to people's needs, but to give in to people's needs. Hope you see the difference. In other words, he, he expects us to step in and provide. Notice when, when Jesus recognizes a lack, he could feed these people a billion different ways. He could speak and manna from heaven would fall. He could speak and their tummies would just be filled and they wouldn't have to eat anything at all. Right? He could just take away their hunger. Like, he could do this any way he wants to. And yet, when Jesus is compassionate for someone's lack, he turns to his people, to his followers, to his disciples, and he says, what do you have? Mark 8, 5, Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? Not how much does God have. See, we need to understand this. God's provision for the needs on this world is not going to be defined by what he has. It's going to be defined by what his people have. He can meet the need any way he wants to, but in his love, in his sovereignty, in his purpose, he says, I want you to fill the need. 
I want you to do what you can do. Now, obviously, Jesus is going to do a part that only he can do. We'll get to that, too. Praise God for that part. But he doesn't start with his part. He starts with our part. What do you have? How many do you have? Number three takeaway this morning is Jesus never asks you to give what you don't have. He doesn't ask them to provide loaves for all these people. He doesn't ask them to somehow come up. He doesn't send them down to the lake to go fish and hope that you can provide for all these people. He says, what, what do you have? What I love about this, especially since we have another story very similar, and, and the details are slightly different but extremely similar, uh, is that Jesus' provision does, has nothing to do with how many the answer to this question is, Right? Whether the answer is two, or the answer is five, or the answer is seven, or the answer is 5011. That's Teresa's favorite number. Um, you get to know Miss Teresa, you can learn some new math, okay? Uh, no matter what the answer to that question is, it's enough. See, what we have may sometimes not feel like enough to meet the needs around us. But it's always enough to meet the need that Jesus asks us to meet. If we'll put it in Jesus' hands. If we'll trust him with it. If we'll be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit and sensitive to what he asks us to do, it's always going to be enough even though the math never maths. It never adds up in the natural, but it always meets the need in the supernatural. So the answer to our question doesn't determine if they can provide for the need. Jesus says, Mark 8, 5, how many loaves do you have? He doesn't ask for what we don't have. He does ask for what we do have. So the question is, what do we have? You see, the easy response for us most of the time is we come up with all the stuff we don't have. Well, man, if I had a bigger house... If I had a bigger paycheck, if I was out of this debt, if I had taken care of that, if I had a bigger vehicle, I could provide those rides. If I didn't have to work this side hustle, I could step in and do this, right? We always answer the question with what we don't have, but that's not the question that Jesus asks. Jesus just asks, what do you have? He asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? Moses said, I stutter. Uh, I'm the wrong person. He had a whole list of why he was wrong. Jesus says, what do you got? He says, I got a staff. Jesus says, watch what I can do with your staff. The disciples said, we got seven loaves. Jesus said, watch this. Wait till you see what I can do with your seven loaves. See, it's not about what you don't have. So often we want to talk about what we don't have. I got a whole list of things I don't have. But I have a Jesus of what do you have? He asked, what do you have? The fourth takeaway is this. Jesus gives thanks for what you give. I think this is so cool. I, think, I, I love the heart of my Savior, the heart of my Jesus. Mark 8, 6 and 7, it says, he told the crowd to sit down on the ground when he had taken the seven loaves. What did he do with it? He gave thanks. He broke them and gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. Then verse 7, they had a few small fish as well. It doesn't even tell us how many fish this time. The other story, very specific. This story, there's a few. How many is a few? I don't know. It was enough. That's all we know. It was enough. They had a few small fish as well, and what did he do? He gave thanks for them also. Have you ever considered that Jesus gives thanks for your generosity? That when you give, when you sacrifice, when you honor him, when you step into someone's situation and you're compassionate, Jesus is thankful for what you gave. I think that's amazing. 
That's incredible, man. I'm, I'm thankful that I get to be a part. I'm thankful that I get to give. I'm thankful that I have an answer to what I have. It may not be the answer of what I want. It may not be the answer of all the things that I think I could have or wish that I did have. But I have an answer when he says, what do you have? I'm thankful for that. But Jesus is thankful when I put it in his hand. And I trust him with it. Fifth takeaway. Jesus does what only he can do when we do what we can do. He always starts with us. See, the reality is he's already taken the first step. He's already taken a step towards us. He's already provided. He's already died. He's already done all the first steps. And so now he's put the ball in our court. He says, you want to make a difference? You want to make an impact? You want to meet a need? Take a step. Trust me. Put something in my hand and watch what I can do with it. Watch how I can multiply it. Watch how I can meet a need through it and with it. I'll do what only I can do. I say praise God for a God that does what only he can do. But that's right. Come on. <laughs> Little black eyed peas worship in city church today. <laughs> Jesus does what only he can do when we do what we can do. Started this series with a testimony from Travis and Terry of Terry's supernatural healing from a cyst. That story started very naturally with some people who just trusted God enough to come down for prayer. In the midst of their need, in the midst of their desperation, they trusted God to come down for prayer. This morning, I think we had a record number of people come down for church prayer. I don't know, six or seven people just in the midst of it just said, you know what? What is it? That's doing what you can do. I can't make the prayer work. I can't make God do anything, but I can obediently step out in faith and say, I know that God says he wants to move through prayer. So I'm going to trust him with this. I'm going to let somebody else pray into my situation. We can apply this a million different ways. When you came early this morning to serve in first impressions, in worship, in media, in photography, on the prayer team, in Kids City, in, in communication, whatever it might be, what are you, you, you didn't know what God was going to do through it. You still don't know what God's going to do through it. But you had enough faith to step out and say, I can get up early on a Sunday morning. I can show up and, and fake a smile, even in the midst of my discouragement and front frustration. I know I'm the only one who's ever faked a smile on Sunday morning, right? It's only me. Uh, sometimes we got to put it on, right? Sometimes I got to smile in faith. But you know what happens? When I smile in faith, it's amazing how the joy comes afterwards. It's like the emotion's going to come. The feeling's going to come if I'll step out in faith and do what I can do. God always provides what he can give. Amen? Mark 8, 8, it says the people ate and were satisfied. Praise God. Jesus satisfies. He's better than Snickers. Hallelujah. <laughs> Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. I love this as well because it's different math than the other story, right? The other story, they got five lo loaves and two fish, and they got 12 baskets left over. This time, they got 4,000 people, less people. They got more food. They had seven loaves. Maybe that's a few fish, so more than two. They got seven left. The, the, the amount that we bring is not what determines what happens through the miracle. It just really has nothing to do with that. It's just the faith. And Jesus says, man, I'll just show you again. I love this because in this story, Jesus didn't even, like, speak in frustration to, to, to the fact that they didn't remember the last miracle. 
Like, if it, I, I want to think if I was one of the disciples and Jesus is like, man, we got all these people to feed, I'd be like, yo, I remember what you did last time, Jesus. I want to, oh, what, what, what are we going to do this time? Like, how are we going to feed them this time? Like, I'm starting to ask around, like, who's got what? Let's see what Jesus can do, right? Like, I want to think I'd have been that guy. But the reality is there's 12 dudes right there who had just seen him provide for 5,000 people perhaps a few weeks or a few months before. And they're like, I ain't got no money, Jesus. I don't know what to do. Like, what are we, how are we going to do this? Like, they immediately fall back to their flesh, and I look down on that, and I think I'm better. And how many times do I make the same mistake? And Jesus is out there like, I already showed you how good I am. I already showed you how powerful I am. I already showed you how faithful I am, but I love you enough. I'll do it again. Number six takeaway, Jesus always has more than enough. He's not just the God of sufficient. He's the God of abundant. See, I think had I been Jesus, which praise God, I'm not. But I think if I had been Jesus and I had the ability to do these kinds of miracles, I would have made sure there was just enough. There was, there was a, I, I, I can do the math, right? I got this beautiful mind. I can figure out exactly how many fish and how many loaves. And we're going to provide exactly that. And everybody's full. But Jesus in his goodness says, you know what? I know how much is needed. I'm not going to make like twice as much so we got left, so we waste food. Uh, so people are like, I don't know how to carry this out of here. But I'm going to make just enough extra so you know I always have more than enough. You can never tap out my resources. What you put in my hand, I will multiply and I will spread and I'll make sure there's more than enough for you too. See, the awesome part of this story, this story doesn't even tell us where the seven loaves come from or the few fish. The other story tells us it's a little boy. This little man's lunch. He brought his Lunchable to Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus said, I'm going to make a Lunchable for everybody, but I'm going to make sure you still have yours too. See, that kid still had enough. Whoever provided these fish, they still had enough. In fact, they had more than enough. They had more to take home than they brought with them. That's the God that we serve. He's not taking from you to deprive you. He's taking from you to demonstrate to you that I'll take care of whatever you need. Verse 8 says, the people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces. That were left over. Last takeaway this morning, Jesus proves himself repeatedly in our giving. I don't know about you, but for whatever reason, giving sometimes is the one that takes me the longest to get. Like, for, for whatever reason, when it comes back to this, and here's the bill, and here's the time to tithe, there's times where I just question, like, God, how can you do this? God, we just got this medical bill. I was 600 and something dollars on this. And where's the money going to come from? And God, we got this going on and the car broke down, right? It's like we can handle the regular bills, but it's all those extra bills. When those extra bills show up, that's when you start to, start to question. You start to get, man, man you, you, your doubt starts to creep in. But time and again, every single time he has proven himself faithful in my life, I have never come up short. I have never gone hungry, obviously. Don't have that problem, right? He proves himself repeatedly in our giving. He loves us. 
I'm already past my time. I had a very small window to share with you from the word this morning. I want to share with you a story, um, a powerful story, an encouraging story. We've got some, some tissues in each of the windowsills and some down here. No reason, uh, but just in case somebody has like, you know, some snot or something, you might need to take advantage of that. Uh, check this story out. We're Josh and Elizabeth Harris. We started coming to City Church in, I said beginning, or no, mid-2019. It was September of 2019. Okay, September of 2019. <laughs> and we've been here ever since. So, we have struggled with infertility pretty much from the beginning of our marriage. We knew that having children was just not in the cards for us. So, we had thrown around the idea of adopting. Um, it wasn't received well in the beginning. It's just, it's, just, it's hard to think about doing that. And I would say in, what year was it, about 2016, I started working at this clinic. We saw a lot of, a lot of kids. And we started seeing a lot of kids come through with CPS and my heart just started, you know, going out for these kids. I remember I would come home to you and just like tell you about all these kids. And um, there was one little boy in particular. He was the cutest little boy with blonde hair. He came in there and he would always come behind the desk and play with me. And um, I would come home and I would tell him, like, this little boy is so cute, he's in foster care and his foster parents, they won't be able to adopt him, so they don't know what the future is gonna hold for him. And you know, I would just love it if we could have this little boy. And I remember your, what were your exact words to me? You were, you've lost your mind. Yeah, you can't, you can't just call and be like, I want this specific kid, that's not how it works. And I was like, I know, but my heart, you know? Um, so shortly after that, I found out this little boy had gone back with his birth parents. And okay, well, we started pursuing foster care in what, late 2016, and we were licensed in 2017. And uh, we had a couple kids come through our home, and it was tough. You know, it's tough saying goodbye, obviously. That's the hardest part. But um, in 2018, was it May or March? Yeah, May. You were gone. We get a phone call for four siblings. And you know, looking now, I know now why I just said yes. It was like we didn't even think about it. Four kids, you know, it's like, yeah, sure. Like, it wasn't even a thought. And uh, we just said, okay. And they showed up at our house on a Monday and I opened the front door and standing on my front door was that little blonde-headed little boy from, all, from last year from the clinic standing at my front door. And uh, he just come running in with his siblings that I had no idea he had. I had no idea he had three other siblings. And um, there he was in our home and we fostered them till end of 2019. We adopted them in January of 2020. And we're, we're, st we're still continuing to foster, but I think that is our biggest wow moment with foster care. When I opened the door and saw him, there was a caseworker. I couldn't tell you what my face looked like. It was probably pure like shock. And I just remember calling you and all I said was. She called me and said, he's here. She just kept saying he's here. And I'm I'm panicking because I'm like, who's he? I was like, I don't know. I was like, it's him, it's him, he's here, he's here. And he was like, what are you talking, who? It's like, are the kids there? And I was like, yes, and it's him. It's the little boy, it's Christopher, he's here. And that, I just, that's, I don't know what else. After that, I, I have no clue <laughs> what happened, where I went. It was just complete shock. 
I kind of broke down, you know, after talking to her, because, you know, it kind of confirmed the journey we'd been on. You know, we, we couldn't have kids and then lose my job and ended up here. And, and it, you literally could see the steps falling into place of, of these kids. Being put in our lives, and uh, so it was a it was an eye-opening moment for me, for sure. Um, like I said, I kind of broke down, and then of course I immediately got on the phone. I was like, got my mom and her mom. I was like, we need people at our house like now. I was like, there's four kids there. I was like, it's gonna be chaos. So um, went into survival mode after that. It was shock, and it was kind of an awe moment too. Of you know, God really does work. You know, it, he really. Even when you don't see it, yeah, you don't understand you don't it. it. You don't, you don't see it happening, but it, it happens. His plan is there, whether you realize what's happening or not, in the moment. You know, you may not know the outcome, but he's working. So when they came to us, the four of them, they were seven, five, three, and it was about one. Elijah was about one and a half. Yeah. So when we adopted them in 2020, they would have been nine seven, five, and three. Yeah. Instant family. Just add water. Instant family. <laughs> um, so when we knew that we were going to be adopting them, we, uh, we knew we, we were in a small house, and so the search for a new home began in 2019, and we had started looking for a new house. Found one that we fell in love with, and so we started the process of buying, we're selling our current home and buying that home. So we sold our home and the plan was, of course, you know, real estate plan doesn't always work out, but the plan was to sell our home and buy this home all on the same day. Uh, well, we sold our home and just with the home inspection, there was a lot of things that went wrong as, as it does. And we put all of our eggs in one basket. I'm sure all the cliches, we were backed into a financial corner and we put all of our eggs in one basket all the little cliches you can think of we were there we basically ended up living in a hotel for a few days um, and we worked out with the homeowner to allow us to move into the house there was still a lot of things that that needed to be done to the home but we worked out that we would live there and then one day we just get a phone call and it said um, the homeowner has decided that she wants $2,000 from y'all by tomorrow or you're out. <laughs> and again, when I tell you we had put everything into this, we put everything into this. Um, we had nothing left and we were just, we were in a, a hole at that time. And so we were scrambling, you know, what, what are we gonna do? We have, you know, okay, we'll go stay with my brother. We'll, 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 what do we do? And so when you are in CPS and your kids are in foster care, one of their rules are every, Every child has to have a bed, which I, I completely understand that's a good rule. So we called them and we're like, we've got a situation. Uh, we may have to stay with some family members for a little while, so if, if that's okay. And they said, if, if your child doesn't have a bed, we'll come in and get them. We'll, we'll come and take them. And I, instantly it was like scramble mode. Like, you're not taking these kids from us. You know, we're, we've got to do something. And what was it, maybe the next day you got a call from our realtor? Yep. So probably the very next day he got a call from the realtor. He didn't say anything. He just he said, said, meet me at... Meet me. <laughs> meet me at the bank at... at, at um, he told me a time, I can't remember. But he said, meet me at the bank. 
and I was at home with the kids and he walked in the door and I could tell he'd been crying and I was like what what happened what what happened and he just handed me an envelope and I opened it and inside the envelope was a letter <clears throat> was a letter from City Church with a check for the exact amount that we needed to stay in our home So that afternoon we went and, and basically deposited the money and paid the lady so we could stay in the home. And I told him, I said, we have to go to this church, I, even if just to say, just to tell them what they did. So we, we made the decision to, to, to come visit. And, and I, don't uh, think we, I don't think we uh, told them who we were the first Sunday, right? I think we waited a, a Sunday or two. I think so. I can't remember. It's been, it's been a years ago. So we uh, we told Troy who we were, and and I'm I, it just I don't know. It's just like we were home the instant we came here. It was like we never went to any other church after that. And we and of course then COVID happened, and but we just like city church was where we were supposed to be. Shortly after we gave, we we met with Melanie and Troy, and we gave them. A check for the money that the church had given us and I told them you know we were in such a, a rough place and such a bad place at that time and, and City Church was there and helped us and I know it was because of the giving of, of church members and because of just the generosity of the people in this church and we wanted to be able to do that as well and the church helped us when we were in a bad place and we were no longer in that place and so we wanted to give back so the church could help someone who was also in a place in need. And we wanted to be able to be a part of that. Instant family just out here. <laughs> um, thank you, Josh and Elizabeth, for sharing this story. Um, thank you, City Church, for <laughs> continually allowing us to step into situations and provide. Last year, we gave over $22,000 in benevolence. That's to needs right here in Olive Branch, Vihalia, South Haven. Um, most of them we never hear the story afterwards never expect to hear the story um, to say this that one's worth a whole lot more than two thousand dollars <laughs> and I get to be a part of a lot of those Susan our administrative assistant we get to talk to a lot more people as we're we're stepping in and meeting needs, and a lot of times you never know. A lot of times they're confidential stories. They're people who don't want their stories shared, and we're not trying to exploit stories or, or do it for anything other than, than God's glory and for the compassion of recognizing by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. We're called to make our city better. 
We never thought Josh and Elizabeth were going to come visit the church once, let alone become a, a part of our church family. We never thought we were going to get to know Izzy and Charlotte and Christopher and Elijah and Carson or the others that they fostered. We didn't know that was part of God's plan. Just knew here was a need, here was an opportunity. And praise God, he, he chose to use us. He could have used anybody, but he allowed us to, to play a really small part in a really amazing story. That's what happens when you give. That's what happens when we put the little bit that we have in Jesus' hands. And he multiplies it. And he uses it to touch lives, to make a difference, to meet needs. That's the God that we serve. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if you're watching online and you don't know Jesus, I need you to know the best thing you can ever place in his hands is your future. It's your life. I promise you if you'll trust him with it, he'll bless it and he'll make it better. Doesn't mean he'll make it perfect. I'm not promising you that because that's not the truth. There's still going to be pain. There's still going to be hurt. There's still going to be heartbreak. There's still going to be lack. There's still going to be need. But in the midst of that, there is a peace that transcends understanding. There is a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory when you're in his presence, when you have him in your life. So if today is your day to receive Jesus, I want you to know that he loves you. I want you to know that same Jesus that broke that bread actually allowed his body to be broken in your place and in mine. He died for our sin to pay the price that we could never pay. So we could have eternity with him, relationship with him, restoration to the Father. So our sins could be forgiven and washed away, and now we could have hope and a future here on earth. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes very